sometimes when I swing at that ball, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And like my feet end up. I, I have... So wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. I need you to pause right there. We're making a golf <laughs> podcast and you just openly admitted that you're swinging at the ball and have no idea what's going on. Is it standing water? No, it was standing mud. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Unforgettable Golf. As always, I'm Brad. Zach, say hello. Hello, people. We got a great episode planned for everyone today. We got some golf round updates. We got some spotted beavers. We're going to talk a bit about training aids. We're going to talk a bit about how we plan on getting better. And we might wrap it up with a little bit of a tease about the golf trip coming up. So I'll start off with my golf round updates. Uh, I played a really incredible course that had about three inches of rough. So I was just eaten up by the rough monster all day. Um, I felt good. I think I ended up shooting a 95, 96, 97, somewhere in that range. Just can't do anything when the rough is three inches thick and you're hitting four iron, it's going 25 yards. So game felt good. Um, Also, funny story, how we talked about all the slow players. It was another five-hour round. Um, You sure you're not the slow players? No, no. no. (laughs) We might be a little slow. Mentally? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not all there uh, mentally or as golfers, but we are not slow-paced golfers. Um, so I don't know. Uh, also, I don't know if I even told you this, Zach, but we were supposed to tee off at 7.30. We didn't end up teeing off until 9.15. What the heck? Oh, it is what it is. Um, it just backed up tee box or? No, my playing partner got a flat that shredded. Oh. So he called his son. Son had to come out there, pick him up, take the tire to a shop. The shop didn't open up till eight. Bought a new tire, brought the tire back, put that tire on and continued the drive. And so by the time that happened, you know, almost two hours later. But Were hey, you already got- at the course? Oh, yeah, I got there. I got there probably about an hour early. So what did you end up doing? You just practiced pitching or chipping, putting, just the driving range? Or you yeah, just chill? There, there's only so much practice I can do. Start drinking? Um, no, no. <laughs> no, I didn't make your mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I make my own mistakes. I'm my own man, okay? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I just, you know, for me, uh, warming up, if I do too much of it, I start to tweak my swing yeah. or I start trying to get better right before a round and that never works. So I've got my routine down and usually lasts about a half hour to an hour. And then after that, I just, I'm done because I'll just start messing with stuff and then I will just play an awful round because I'll be tweaking stuff the whole round too. So that's funny that you say that. Cause I do the same thing. If I hit the range beforehand and I buy a large bucket of balls, instead of the small bucket, I tend to start like just tweaking how I'm like, Oh, maybe if I, mm-hmm. you know, do a little bit more, you know, release on this. If I, if I twist different here, next thing you know, I get out there and I can't hit 
you know, a club that was working for me. I can't hit it for nothing then. So that's funny that you say that because I've been finding that's an issue with me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say that my six iron to four iron were hot. Everything else was okay. Um, it's weird. I'm getting a lot of distance on my driver, but I'm not getting the, you know, the height or the, the apex, the arc on the driver. Like I would like right now. Yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm miss hitting it or I'm not hitting up on it. I mean, I'm getting, I was getting 250 plus every drive that I hit well, but majority of the time it was only maybe what felt like 20, 30 feet off the ground. It was almost like I was hitting stingers with my driver unintentionally. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, other than that, I, I don't really have any complaints. Um, would have liked to play better, but rough ate me up. What can you do about it? How about you? Well, I mean, I had a pretty decent round. Um, I started off real bad. The, the front nine, I ended up shooting a 49 on it. Just wasn't really feeling. I think I messaged you during my practice. And I said, I said, oh, buddy. I said, I literally drained five, like, chip shots with like off the chipping green you know and i'm like then i'm putting and putts are dropping i'm like dude i'm gonna have a really good round today i texted you and said like hey if everything else works out this round's about to be awesome you keep telling your story (laughs) i'm gonna see if i can find that text and we'll read that word for word yeah because like i i honestly was just like man i said today's the day i'm breaking 90 i said this is awesome because i'm really committed to it now that we've been talking about it on the podcast I'm doing extra reps outside at my backyard. Um, yeah, I'm you leaving. told me you told me you're doing the fake golf balls in the backyard, trying to get warmed up, and then you went to the range. Yeah. Then you went to the putting and chipping green, and we're doing all that. And then I pulled up that text message, and it says, "We'll see how today goes." Practice on the chipping green. I drained five, and I'm putting them so close with great control. Hopefully, the rest of my game is there. And I sent back. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. Yeah, and we should just really put on that. It should have been back. Uh, trash can, <laughs> trash can, trash can. Because uh, all that work I did in the beginning, it meant nothing on the course. I don't know what happened to the control. I was missing greens. I was on the edge of greens, and I ended up hitting it and thinning it. And next thing you know, it's in the water, in the pond. And I'm like, what in the world? I needed to go 10 feet. And I just put that thing 40 yards. Why did that happen? <laughs> like, you know, and it's because that thing again, why do I pull out the 60 degree for everything? I love the club now. I'm having fun using it. But when I just could have just did a nice little chip and let it roll out, I would have been four or five feet from the pin. And even if I got to putt that, I'm at least not double or triple bogey, right? Are you close enough on these that you could putt them? Yeah, I could Texas wedge it, but you know. Why don't you? I just don't want to be that pride. Guy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much what it is. I really should start doing it. But also, too, I have a really, really hard time um, when it's in that like little patch of rough or like the fringe there. The speed on what to hit it. If I have to do that over and over again, when I actually get on the green, my it doesn't translate to the green at all. And I end up hitting too hard all the time. So I try not to do that if I can just chip it or if I can you know, do a putting motion with a pitching wedge instead of using my putter. I don't know. It's all mental for me. Really? What, what about, um, what about like, sometimes you'll see guys, they'll, they'll take like a, 
three wood or a three hybrid out of the if they're on the edge you know and they just yeah. pop it up a little bit and just have See, it like <laughs> putt with it yeah i think if i did that i'd end up just punching it too fast i'd have to work with it and that's the thing like we're talking about this that's a great idea so is it something i work with a little bit figure it out i think it'd be a good laugh for like some of the guys i golf with because they'd be like what the heck are you doing pulling out a three wood or a hybrid on the putt like on the fringe but yeah but you got to remember the scorecard doesn't say what clubs you use yeah exactly it says you got a 90 or an 89 or yeah 110 but here's the thing so like i end up golfing a 49 through nine and i'm like well there we go i said today's today's not my day and i was like i'm not gonna give up hope yet Still got the back nine to play. Let me get a sandwich in me and a candy bar and a Gatorade. You and went sandwich? You didn't go hot dog? They were out of hot dogs, man. I was so disappointed. You okay. Know, and you the went glizzies to- were gone. <laughs> <laughs> and you went Snickers, right? Yep. Snickers, man. Because yeah, I wasn't myself. What color Gatorade? Uh, it was like a mint green color. I, I never had it before. I wanted mint to try it. Mint green? It wasn't, didn't taste mint green, but it was like a greenish. Like if you had to take like, Imagine like a like radioactive sewage color. <laughs> That's the color the Gatorade was. Okay, so you ate a sandwich, a Snickers, <laughs> and radioactive Gatorade. And how did you play after that? Uh, let's just say I started giving up after like hole 13. And I was just like, well, today's not my day. Let's just make it a practice round at this point in time. I'm not breaking 90. Let's just try to get things moving. Things still weren't going good for me. You had no chance to break 90 after 13. No chance. In my head, I did it. I was sitting there tallying up stuff. I said, dude, I'd have to almost golf par at this point in time or birdie or eagle some. And then like there's on the course I was playing, there's two back-to-back par fives, right? Or there's a back-to-back par five, not two, but there are two par fives, right? Right. And I'm like, okay, if I get a good drive on this, I get a good second shot. This is a birdie opportunities, right? First mistake. Should have never thought about that on the tee box. I hit a shot. It goes dead straight, but I blow through. I blow through the my like my fairway into the other fairway, and I'm like, okay, well it might still be playable. I get up there. I pull out a four iron. I'm like, I gotta get the distance. I gotta hit through trees now. And I'm like, in reality, if I didn't care about the score, I would have probably just taken you know a little seven and just bumped it into my fairway a little up and then yeah you would have taken your medicine take that stroke and be happy with a bogey safe or whatever yeah so i'm sitting there i'm like i'm gonna load up on this four iron i'm gonna (laughs) i am going this thing's gonna i'm gonna load up right into a tree whack well that this is even better i loaded up and put that thing about 20 feet in front of me because i drove it so far into the ground and then it just ended up being out there i'm like are you kidding me the guy i'm golfing with he's like yep that will do it when you got all that pressure you just want to kill it that's what it, and i'm like well i guess at this point in time i'm screwed so let me just take a nice easy four beautiful shot about to make it over the trees and that one stupid little twigs that i catch it and it just falls right down in the fairway i said well whatever this this hole screwed up so that's when i started like really giving up would you know by the end of the freaking round i tell you up my score and i shot a 90 I was so disappointed in myself. If I would have just thinking focused a little bit more and not been worrying about trying to fix the score from the whole time, I would have broke 90. So let's play a hypothetical game. Let's say you punch out there. You take your, 
your seven iron, you punch out back into the fairway, you get up on the green and you two putt, you break 90. Yeah. And honestly, if I would have just cared a little bit because the next par five, I ended up bogeying that one. And then I get on a par three and that one ends up being a disaster. Well, actually, that's a lie. I had a nice shot off the tee, came a little bit short. It hit the green and rolled back off. I chipped it, went to go chip it on, thinned the stupid 60 degree. Another issue again, should have not been had the 60 out. I thin it, end up almost in the bunker on the other side of the green. And then I just put it close to my putter, tapped it in for a bogey. And then the next hole, beautiful drive, 290. You know, then I put it up almost to the green on my second shot. I'm like, okay, it's a par five now. I might have an equal opportunity here. And then as soon as I have think I have an equal opportunity, I really didn't because I had to still chip it onto the green, but chip ins can go in sometimes, right? Nope. I shouldn't have even thought about it because I just screwed myself up bad. And if anything could have went good, like I ended up parring at par five, which is fine. Then I had a par three that I ended up bogeying again for the 18th hole. If one of those par threes, I par it, I break 90 without even knowing because I'd given up on the day. You know, but that's just that's golf, I guess. You know, I gave up on some stuff, but we do have a. I did spot a nice big old beaver on the, one of the par fives. If you want to hear about that one, yeah, I've been waiting to hear about this. So on one of the par fives, it's like my third shot down. It it like in the fairway, there was like this real like it looked like it was normal, but you could tell when the mower came through, it was kind of swampy, and I was like. Yeah, I should probably take some relief from that, but I said, no, I'm a, I'm a real man. You know, I'm going to take my pain here and just hit out of it. So it's sitting there and I'm looking at it. And this is when I, uh, this is when I met, you know, the newest beaver to the family. I, I loaded up to go hit a sand wedge, you know, I had 89 yards in, I hit my sand wedge, like, you know, on a good shot, like a hundred yards. So I'm going to see a nice easy one, but I'm like, you know what? this is a little bit crappy. So I'm going to just like get a nice good hit on this. And if I end up a little long, that's fine. Oh my goodness, dude. I hit that thing. Muddy Bev. That's what we're going to call this thing because I mean, not only did it chunk it, but it was so like milky and disgusting. Mud was flying everywhere. I was like, what in the world? I said, I should have never hit this stupid thing. So now we got a new member of the family of the Beaver family on, you know, Beaver Island. Got muddy Bev. She drives the Bev cart on there. You know, she's making sure everybody stays hydrated while they're playing golf. <laughs> oh boy. So, so we got to recap, I think. So this is definitely becoming uh, uh, my favorite segment. So the first week we had foot long. What are we going to call him? We got, we got uh, foot long, long, John, foot long, long, long John, John. Tom or something. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got, oh, it should yeah. be Jared, like the subway guy. Oh yeah. Well, uh, hey. Well, we're not. Yeah, never mind. I I forgot about that. Let's reverse that. Yeah, let's rewind. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe we got got, Long John. Yeah, maybe Long John Tom. Long John Tom. Yeah, we gotta give him two names because he's 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 out there. (laughs) Okay, we got Long John Tom. (laughs) Then we had Beaver Island. Yeah, Long John Tom. Yeah, he lives on Beaver Island now. And now our newest one is the Bevcart girl on beaver island and we're gonna call her muddy bev yeah she's a muddy beaver you gotta watch <laughs> out for that one. <laughs> oh boy 
I mean, I ended up getting disgusting off of it because it's just how much mud went flying with it. I really like, and that goes back to what are the rolls there? Like, I should have just taken like a half a club length and been out of it and just hit my shot then. Well, but, is it is it standing water? No, it was standing mud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, like, could you have said like, hey, this is if 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 it was a sunny day, it's not there, right? It just pooled up in that low point. Yeah, we had gotten a lot of rain last night, and it just pulled up in a low point, and you could tell when they cut the fairways today, it just was like. You had your wet grass clippings right there. And I just, my ball ended up finding that point. And maybe I should have taken, you know, some, it was still playable. But, you know, for me, with the history I have of taking these beaver tails, I probably should have just, because I ended up just getting a mess. And the, the did it like it leave off, a chunk of dirt cake on your yeah, club? It was too? like a perfect, like, <laughs> do you ever take a shovel and just put it in some dirt, like, like wet, like almost like a mud clay suck? It was perfect. It was like three inches down in the ground. So Muddy Dev is serving mud pies all day long. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And it was just yeah. And and they're not they're not clean mud pies. They're very dirty. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So other than that, no beaver tails. No other beaver tails. We got to know about. No, I had the normal ones. You know, normal society of beavers. They weren't too massive. You know, just like your normal divots coming out of the club. I was feeling pretty good with some of my shots, but you know, Hey, you got to add to the family, man. Got to keep that family growing. Well, I think the goal, I mean, of course we want to take divots. We just want to take them in front of the ball. Yeah. yeah. We want to take proper like, divots. Yeah. I mean, this one was like, you know, it was almost to the front of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I chunked it. Who, who knows? Sure. There's no evidence one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, who knows where the ball was really sitting? I mean, <laughs> just ended up being really deep in it, you know? Mm. All right. Well, I guess the only way we're going to get rid of that is if we get better. Part of this episode is getting better. So right off the bat, um, what are you using right now to get better? Right now, um, Actually, I posted a picture on Instagram, on our Instagram at Unforgettable Golf. And I'm using a champ key, Matt, because I bought it off of Amazon. And it lets me know when I'm swinging at a ball. And I've been using some foam balls um, on it. I've also been using the birdie balls. You know, they only go like 40 yards. And if you get a good shot, you hear the whistle, you know, and it's it's not, it's, they're pretty neat. But that champ key, Matt, actually helps because if I take it too fat, I instantly see results. It leaves a mark there, right? Oh, it's that um, one where it's like you brush it one way and it'll yeah, it'll yeah be a darker or a lighter color or whatever. Yeah. So basically then like you can see, you can see too, like if you open up your face, if you have a closed face and something I'm realizing is really my problem with my swing is that I'm just taking them a little bit too fat, even on the good ones. Like I'm just, everything's staying super straight. Like my, I'm making, like, I can't have a straighter face of a club. So it tells me like the way my swing paths coming in is good, but I just got to figure out why am I coming behind? It's got to be my stance in the ball or something. So that Matt's giving me a lot of information now that I can start like working with. And that's been a helpful aid. So what are you going to, I mean, are you going to try moving it back in your stance? Are you going to try getting your weight forward quicker on your front foot? What's the, what's the solution for you? And I think, think, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to mess around with the stance a little bit 
you know, see, do I need to put the ball back further? Am I actually, I don't know if you have this problem. Sometimes when you stand on the ball, you think that you're like with a, with a wedge or, you know, with your nine iron, eight iron, whatever you're hitting when it comes to irons, you think you're standing more center on the ball, but it ends up being maybe a little bit further in your stance. So you have a little bit more chance of, you know, thinning it or it ends up being a little bit further back in your stance, which might be a reason why I'm fatting, you know, going through. So I'm going to work with that mat, see where I'm actually should be standing over top of the ball is my issue is like I talked about last episode, am I standing too much too far up on the ball? You know, am I, you know, so I have a question here for you because last episode we talked about how you spent $200 and a week at the range, two hours every night. Yeah. And how, if you could learn from that, you would take a lesson. Yes, Brad. And I, <laughs> I mean, let's just keep doing the same thing and trying. To I mean, listen, why not spend hundreds of dollars <laughs> to learn myself? All right. I respect it. I mean, no, I just, no. I, part of my improvement plan. And we had talked about this a little bit between me and you is, um, because I only have, I have short seasons here, right? You get to golf all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take what I know and try to improve on it right now. Might be a bad decision. Might be worth me going and taking a lesson. But in the off season this season, I really think I'm going to get somebody to watch my swing, you know, whether it's actually a swing coach or if it's a amateur pro. Um, there's a simulator close to my house that has an amateur pro that gives lessons. He has beginner, intermediate, and, you know, up to his skill of pro which he's scratch golfer, you know, how much better can you get? But um, I think I'm going to sign up for that. I think it's like a couple hundred bucks for, you know, 10 lessons or something. And uh, I think I'm going to do that to help improve my game, see what I need to fix. Um, I'll keep on spending money on training aids. You're not going to make me not do that. Because- <laughs> okay, fine. But what else do you have then besides the birdie balls and the, the champ key mat? Okay, like I mentioned before, I have some of those stupid little foam balls that I will actually sit in my living room and chip them up my upstairs steps. My wife doesn't like it too much, but all the animals love to chase it. They have fun. I'm getting, you know, used to making contact, seeing like, and also too, like if I hit a good chip, I don't hit the ceilings or nothing. It goes right up the steps, hits the wall and comes back down at me, which is awesome, you know. But um, other than that, I've been looking at like, uh, been looking at launch monitors but they're so stinking expensive i know you got fortunate on getting one there's something i can hit in my backyard you know into a net and not have to like because you know sometimes if you're just swinging you don't really know how far that ball went you know so it's like having that launch monitor would help out like hey you're hitting a seven iron you just hit that 165 yards hey you only hit that one 140 yards what happened in that swing what happened you know both of them might have felt the same did I take too much off of it? What was my swing speed? What was the ball speed coming off the club? Yeah, angle of attack, all that yeah. stuff. So Spin it would rates. be nice to get one of those. But as of like aids and stuff, I uh, would like to get a putting, little indoor putting thing too. Just help me get the ball end over end. Um, I have I have a full list of just like little trink- trinkets that I would like to get for golf. Um, the problem is, is when you're married, I could just keep on showing up at the house. The wife's wondering, when are you going to buy her what she wants? And stuff's going to stop coming for you. But yeah, I mean, pretty much all I have right now is just that mat and the the birdie balls. And um, I would like to get one of those training clubs eventually just to 
maybe when I get a little bit better to pick up speed with my clubs too, but we'll see. We'll see what my coach says in the winter time. <laughs> yeah, I get it too. Cause there's a million things out there that you can buy. So how do you know it's going to work? How do you know it's good for you? How do you know it's even something you should be doing? Is there, is it something that you struggle with or not? Right. Yeah. Um, I have a putting mat. I really like it because I can hit putts at home, um, which is huge. You don't have to leave the house, right? Yeah. Huge advantage. Um, I have a course less than a mile away that I don't make it to enough because whatever reason, I don't know, laziness, wanting to be at home, who knows? So that putting mat is huge. And like you said, it's just to get the ball end over end, make sure you're making a good stroke on it. I also have a uh, putting mirror that you put down and it has the different areas you can put the tees in. So you have a putting gate and a good starting line. Those two things are really good to have Um, getting the ball rolling end over end um, understanding if you're leaving the face open, if you're closing it, if your stroke is like a figure eight or straight back, straight through, or, you know, on a curve, all that sort of stuff. Um, then for like full swings, I've got a bunch of stuff. I got, like you said, I have a launch monitor. I have a net. It's not up right now. Um, I have alignment sticks, which I got to say are huge because if your alignment's off, it's like everything else is worthless. Yeah. So those have been huge for me. Um, what else? Oh, I got one of those uh, swing guides. It sits on the club and it's an L. It's for your wrists. So. When you're taking the club back, you hinge it properly. I got one of those things that you strap to each arm and it's supposed to keep your arms together. Um, yeah, I have a bunch like you. I got an impact bag just to kind of see. What's the, what's the impact bag? So my like, goal is to hit draws. So you yeah. set it up against something. And then I want to see that that bag immediately goes to the right. Because gotcha. if it's going to the left, then I know I'm coming down steep and I'm coming down out in right i'm cutting across yeah. the ball but if i'm pushing that impact bag right um then i know i'm starting out to the right um that's pretty much it for the training aids that i have but what you know since since the last episode we talked about it is that i have a swing coach and basically um you send in a video of your swing. They slow it down from the back angle and the side angle and analyze it. And really quickly, they can tell you what's going on based on the, their program. Yeah. Um, and then based on their program, working with them, trying to improve it. So I came up with a whole how I'm going to get better. I have golf all year round, so I'm not going to wait to the end of the season. I'm going to get better right now. And I'm going to be shooting low 80s by the end of year season. So the goal is, I think, a little bit ambitious, but I figured I would go a little bit more and then fail a little bit versus going like really basic and failing. Yeah. So I got. Um, so you're calling me a basic. You know, yeah, basic. I'm calling you yeah. basic. Calling wow. Basic. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> saying for myself, I don't want a basic plan that I say, okay, yeah. I'm do this one day a week. And then when I fail the one day a week, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. So I want to Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, every other day, hit putts for 15 to 30 minutes. 
on that mat with my putting mirror, right? Just keeping the stroke solid. Um, so that's Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I want to work on swing technique. I don't even need to be at the range. I can do it all at home. I have all the stuff I need at home. And I want to work on that for at least a half hour. Then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is going to be some sort of combination of playing and being at a course or on a practice green or on a short game area or some sort of practice at a facility, not at my home. Um, Of course, if that's playing golf, that's four or five hours. If it's not, I want to try to spend an hour um, practicing, whether it's putting, on the range, whatever it might be. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm sure I'm not going to live up to that, but if I could get two or three days putting, two or three days practicing swing technique, and it it drops to one day a week, well, at least I'm doing something. Yeah. No, I think that's a good plan. Um, the problem is, is I'm afraid of getting too good, you know. <laughs> There'll be nobody to, to build I mean, the beaver community. Yeah, I mean, what's the point if, I, if I'm not at least chunking one, one, one round, you know. I have to take people with me that, you know, can build on the beaver community while I'm not there, you know. From yeah, what you've thought, told me, I think the people you golf with will more than suffice at building Beaver Island for you. Yeah, but, I mean, the swing's powerful enough, you know, to really get the good beavers, you know. <laughs> Got to have a long, powerful swing to get them beavers, you know. And that I'm not sure if they can do it, you know. All right. No, uh, I mean, I do I do like some of your things. Um, like, I might steal a couple of them. Like trying to stick to a – schedule is probably really smart too because like you said like if you aim small you miss small if you aim big you miss big right so that's with anything with any life stuff or golf in general like if you're aiming to practice four times a week or whatever whether it's just hitting putts or going to the course you're aiming small you're like that's and you only get two of them, okay, you missed small there. If you only went to go do two and you did none, like you're not improving at all. So I do like that. That's a huge miss if you're trying to improve. Yeah. So I do like that. I'm probably going to, you know, probably going to take up some of that stuff. One thing I did notice that like from my practice stuff in my yard, because, you know, I've been practicing a lot in there um, and taking a little bit of too many beaver tails out of my yard. So I got to pick a new spot, maybe, you know, because I'm killing a whole section of grass because, you know, it's just, yeah, I get a bad shot, especially when you hit a couple hundred shots, you know, out of whether it's foam balls or the birdie ball. You're not hitting off the mat for all of them? No, because I like to get, like, I like to get that feel of a lie, too. You know, like, sticking a ball down in the grass, you know, feeling it. Because, like, just like I said before, you go to a range, hit off that mat, you know, it's, it's perfect lie almost every single time. So when it comes down to all of that, like if I can put it in the grass and strike a four iron or five iron or my pitching wedge out of the grass, nice. Okay. Now I have a little bit of confidence on the course when I'm sitting in some rough or on the fairway. Right. But I think the part that I took a bunch of beaver tails out of and, you know, got a couple of divots, I think I'm going to maybe go to home Depot or Lowe's and uh, buy some of that artificial turf make myself my own little chipping green back there and just work with it. My wife might not be happy about that, but 
it's something that has to be done. I'm going to get better if I don't have my own chipping green. Yeah. You know? how, how are you going to get better? Yeah, exactly. She doesn't understand that. You I know? mean, if she doesn't let you do this, then she doesn't believe in you. And she definitely doesn't love you. <sighs> That's there's some. <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to listen. It'd be three episodes in at the end of the uh, third episode. I don't think she's going to be listening, man. I don't know. She'll probably listen to only that section somehow. Her, her, uh, Zach was talking crap on me. Radar was going to go off and she's going to find it. <laughs> or somebody else will listen to it and send it to her and say, just that, hey, just really. that portion. Actually, anybody that's listened to this, family, friends, whatever, you know, random people, you know, go at my wife and tell her that I absolutely have to have this putting green in the backyard. Otherwise, like I felt at life, like I have to have it, right? I think, I think it's going to help me uh, really be, build up a good beaver family. And uh, yeah, I mean, what's the point of being a homeowner if you can't have a beaver community in your backyard? I, that's what I've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying the same thing. <laughs> I need, I need uh, Long John Tom and Muddy Bevney places to live too. Beaver Island's starting to fill up quick. Beaver but, Island is starting to fill up quick. But that's the thing. Like uh, also too. Um, I just want to put out their disclosure for anybody. If you do buy the birdie balls, uh, they lie on the package. They go further than 40 yards. <laughs> uh, right now, currently. So how many windows may have you broken? Not, <laughs> no, I didn't break any windows yet, but there may or may not be one on my neighbor's roof. Um, it's okay. They're definitely not listening to this. Yeah. You guys aren't listening to this anyways, but if you do happen to go up there, I would like it back. Cause, uh, <laughs> It went, it went about 50 yards, and this was a nice little, you know, up there. But I did notice it doesn't matter what club you hit, you know, they do only go about 50 yards. You know, I can thin a pitching wedge for 50, or I can smack a four iron for 50. <laughs> well, I mean, that's real life with a real ball anyway, too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, it, But it, it's good. I, th- I do recommend the birdie balls, though, because when you do get a hit, oh, it's so cool. Like the whist- like it's kind of like you ever throw like a wiffle ball or get a good hit with a wiffle ball? Yeah. And it whistles. Like when you get a good hit and it's end you know it. You know it. It's really cool. And it just sounds like a little propeller flying away from you. It's neat. Yeah, that's cool. I like that we're talking about training aids too, because we have no uh how do I say this? We have no skin in this game. We're not yeah. selling anything. We're not getting money. We're just things that we like, we can talk about, things that we don't like. Yeah, I mean we can talk also about too. Like I know we've talked about this before. You have the arm things that keep your arm in, arms in tight to you when you're swinging, right? Mm-hmm. For like chipping and yeah. that kind of stuff as training aid. When I first saw those, it was on my father-in-law. I thought it was the dumbest looking thing ever. But in all honesty, my, my father-in-law changed his golf game by that. Just keeping being able to keep his arms in. It was training him when he was swinging on the range. You keep things in tight. Don't get kind of wonky with the elbow going out or anything. And I was like, oh, that actually works. And then like he bought like the thing that helps you with your positioning of your hands on the club. Now I know everybody's going to position a little bit different. Like my grip's a little bit more aggressive on my driver than it is on my irons. And like my dad just bought it, bought that gripping like aid. And he said, it's been helping him out like crazy because my dad has always had like a weird grip on his club. Right. And I'm like, okay, so some of these training aids aren't gimmicks. If you're an amateur and struggling and you want to get better, go spend that 15 or 20 bucks on a little plastic thing to clip onto your handle or on your grip. Yeah. And then when it doesn't, if it doesn't work, return it to the Amazon will take anything back or. Yeah. Amazon, you know, yeah. 
that's a good thing about Amazon. If it's not working for you, send it back. And I mean, there's so many things out there. Obviously, some are gimmicky, but others are going to help you out. And uh, one thing I want to talk about, too, is make sure you get yourself a good pair of golf shoes. You know, <laughs> because for me, I feel the story coming on. <laughs> well, you know, like, so I bought a pair of Puma golf shoes like last year and I was like, they're just super comfortable. Right. But they're not like real, like they don't have like the golf cleat type thing. They're just more of like a grippy, you know, kind of a tennis shoe with a little extra grip. Yeah. And like what I tend to find is when you get any type of moisture on the ground and you're swinging the, you know, usually drivers. Okay. Cause you're on a flat box, but if you get any type of moisture and you're at an angle, you swing, you're going to slip and like fall or you're going to like, I, I had a shot on my last round. I took the <laughs> shot <laughs> and like, I a hundred percent almost did the splits. And if anybody, if anyone's ever seen me, I'm like a 350 pound, like dude, if I do the splits, I'm not walking for like two weeks, dude, <laughs> it's not, not going to happen. So like, just make sure you get yourself some good golf shoes. That's a good training aid there. If I had to give any advice to anybody, a good pair of golf shoes is good. I'm, I'm going to be in the market to buy one. So if anyone has any ideas of what's good one, send them to me, send it on Instagram. I'd appreciate it. Um, yeah. I don't, it's funny. You said the spikeless shoes because I've had both and I found that the good spikeless shoes are just as good as the cleated spikes. Yeah. Um, and I found that some shoes are way more comfortable than others, but it's kind of like gloves too. You know, you just got to find what, what you like and what works for you. Cause there's hundreds of different gloves and glove styles yeah. and what they're made out of and high end from a hundred dollars all the way down to cheap at $5, you know, and yeah. you just, I think, I think in golf, we have too much pride right earlier. You're like, I don't want a Texas widget. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But yeah. you break 90. Or I don't want to be the guy with that. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> this was Unforgettable Golf. We'll be signing <laughs> off for the last time. No, I, I think that, uh, you know, you're like, my father-in-law was using this thing and it was the stupidest looking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I have it too. And yeah. when my chipping gets off, I can work with that. And it's like, wow, you're so stupid. You can't even keep your arms straight. It's like, or, you know, whatever. I mean, who cares how you look? If, if you're getting better at golf, I think that's my whole takeaway from everything I've ever learned about golf is if you're afraid of how you look on the course or the range or at home, it's going to be difficult to get better. You know, you were saying like, who cares how you look? And it, I don't know why it made me think of this, but in life in general, if you display confidence in anything, you can like have anybody believe you, right? Oh yeah, you can fake it till you make it and everything. In in golf though, like you can sit there and display all this confidence, but it doesn't always relate in your golf game. And that's like that's why I like golf too. It's such a humbling experience. You can sit there and think like, dude, I am so good. I am I you could lie to somebody, like somebody you've never known. You could say, Oh yeah, yeah, shoot, shoot low 70s, you know. And then if you ever had to golf with them there's no way you're faking it. You're shooting a low 70. There's no way, <laughs> you know? So like, well, unless you're cheating on the score. I mean, well, yeah, there is I mean, some I probably, way. I honestly, I probably could shoot. I probably could shoot low seventies if I 
you know, took the 10 mulligans per hole that my group allows. <laughs> well, I mean, if you take, I mean, that's another interesting discussion we should have maybe next couple episodes. You know, how many mulligans would you need to take in order to be on the tour? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a real good question. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you it up next time I play. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> if the answer is higher than your actual score, you I don't think, I don't think mine. I don't think mine would actually be higher. I mean, I'd, if you gave me like three a hole, I think I'd be all right. You had to be a scratch golfer. Because it, it, it kind of like re- eliminates some pressure there, right? Like that's part of my issue. There's the pressure there of trying to score a better round. And as soon as the pressure isn't there, I seem to play better. Well, why is the pressure there? Well, simply because uh, I aired it out to the world that I was going to try to get break 90. And now I'm sitting there like, I have to do this. Like, you know how exciting exciting it's going to be like to see the podcast episode, like beavers everywhere will stand up and rejoice. Oh, dude, uh, my beaver party is going to be amazing. There's just going to be beaver tail slaps all over the world. Smack you right in the face. (laughs) (laughs) But it will be so cool to see, like, all an exclamation, like, Zach broke 90, you know, and be able to say my score. That's going to be so cool. Like, and I'm excited for it. But what happens if, you know, you never get there? Yeah. And that's what's playing in the back of my head when I shank, you know, a four iron 80 yards left, you know. Oh, crap, I'm not doing that today. (laughs) So in order to take the pressure off, you just have to get better. And you do that by practicing. Thanks, Brad. Thanks. I I know. I mean, it's an oversimplification (laughs) for sure, but. You just got to get better. Yeah, just play. I do. Do do mulligans count as a training aid? (laughs) (laughs) And where can I buy a bunch of them? I was going to say, depends how much you're willing to pay me. I'll start selling mulligans. There you go. That's a business idea. Yeah, we'll start online mulligan sales, good at any golf course located in the world. <laughs> I guarantee we can get my dad to buy some. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I could think we could get a lot of people to buy them. Um, no, I mean, but going back to you just got to. Okay, here, here's what I should have said. The more you practice, the more you play, the more confident you get, right? because you start getting rid of the simple things that screw you up for two or three shots because you're good with that club or you trust that club or you trust your technique. You, you know how long you've practiced this shot in your backyard. You know that you've been putting four times a week for a half hour in your garage, or you've worked on your swing technique and you know, it's there. And maybe that takes some of the pressure off. Yeah, I think I think that's that's probably like you're right. Practicing is going to re- relieve some of that pressure, because um, then you're just out there and you're just playing golf, and yeah. the number isn't based off of what you shoot. It's kind of just based off you playing. Yeah, and then you become more consistent too with all your shots. So obviously, consistency in golf becomes a better score no matter what. You know, if you're hitting every shot, even if it's not like your best shots ever, as long as you're getting them up in the air and getting to carry any, like the distance that your club should be hitting it, you're going to put yourself in good positions. Right. So, uh, well, at least you hope so, but yeah, I mean, 
Well, it's like we play par fives, right? Most of our par fives that we're playing aren't a whole lot more than 500 yards. Yeah. Which is more or less a 200-yard shot and then two 150s. That's 500 yards. Yeah. That's easy clubs to hit. Yeah, when you put it in that way, too, you're right. Like, they are. But when you're sitting there looking at the 500-yard par five, what's in your head? Right. I need to get there in two so I can have a chance at eagle. Or you I, know why though? Because my putting's not that good and I know I'm a three jack. Yep. Yeah, or if I don't, you're right. If I don't hit my driver three hundred, then I don't have a good enough club to get my distance to the second shot. Then I'm gonna have more than a wedge and I'm not good with that club. Then I get on the green, or if I'm on the fringe, I can't chip. If I'm on the green, I can't putt. How do you get rid of all that? Yeah. Practice. Get better. Yeah. And buy as many training aids as you can. <laughs> and visit our website, www.mulligans.com. Five uh, that might be taken. That might be, we might have just gave somebody a free shout out because I'm pretty sure it's probably a website. Yeah, it totally is a website. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we covered some good stuff here, you know, about the training aids, what has helped us. Um, you have more of an improvement plan than I do. Maybe I need to really check myself and really look into what I need to do. To get better because, you know, just keep on saying, I'm just going to play golf. It's going to work. But really, you know, it's about spending that time working on the small things to relate in your good game, right? Well, and I think I've just, I've been able to play golf while you haven't been able to. So I've been able to do that and I feel really good about my game, but I just see that for me, it's going to take more than just play. So I'm just like a little bit ahead of you because I haven't had to stop for half the year. Yeah, that's true. And also, too, I'm out there chasing beavers around the stinking course. So, it's, you know, it's kind of hard. And actually, just before we, like, wrap things up, I do have a funny story to talk about that happened last year with my dad. Speaking of, like, rodents on courses. Um, All right, let's hear it. So, this kind of this might fall into the beaver tails type of thing. You know, my dad hit a pretty decent shot, but it was about 40 yards away from the green and hit a tee box, you know. And uh, as soon as he hit it, I'm, like, looking over. I'm, like, your ball's right over there. And this groundhog comes out. <laughs> I kid what? you not, a groundhog came out of the bushes, picked up my dad's ball, and ran away with it. And he was like, that gopher just took my dang ball. And so the whole time, it was just like, every time we're on that hole now in that course, it's like, yo, dad, you remember that time that groundhog came out and stole your ball? He was like, yeah, man, took, <laughs> took the ball and just ran away with it. And it's like, made me think, like, when we're talking about the beaver tails and, like, you know, our beaver report. Yeah, if anybody else has ever had the experience of a, a wild animal just taking their stuff and running away with it, you know, share it with us because that'd be hilarious. And then I also want to point out there too, like if anyone's listening to this podcast and you're out golfing and you get some good beavers out there, send them our way, DM them up to us. You know, the island needs to grow. We need residents. So let's just get some pictures of these things. Let's get it going. I think it'll be interesting to see how all the amateur golfers, how we're all in one big thing here. We all have our issues. And uh, I hope some of you are hitting the beaver tails as good as I am, because obviously, Brad, you don't hit them as crazy as I do, but it'd be cool to see what some guys are putting up out there. You know? Well, thanks for putting that into the universe. I'm going to have about 12 next round now that you said that. So that's all right. Appreciate man. that. That's all right. We're only at a population of two on Beaver Island right now. So we need some more. <laughs> well, all you need is two. You got a, you got long jam and long jam. Long <laughs> <John. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's long we john. got long john tom yeah that's there we what go. we named him 
and muddy and bev muddy bev yeah i mean they could populate the island by themselves they don't need us anymore i mean how fast do beavers reproduce somebody want to tell us how fast beavers reproduce let us know we have, i have not uh, they're rodents probably like a rabbit right <laughs> feels like it would be more difficult than a rabbit though because they're like in the dams and underwater and in and out of water rabbits <laughs> no beavers <laughs> since when do rabbits live in dams that's why i was confused i was like when does this rabbit start going into freaking water <laughs> oh boy this episode's pretty much on a, on a tailspin of just going downhill right now so I think that's a good place to end it there, don't you think, Brad? Yeah, I think uh, I think next time, hopefully, we'll have the golf trip details. We'll kind of lay out the plans, maybe lay out what, how we're going to play and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you still need to talk about, you know, is golf a sport? Yeah, that is an argument that's flying around now. Some people think it's easy. Um, one last thing before I go, you know, one of my one of my relatives said that golf can't be that hard. And they've never golfed in their life. So I think once I get them out on the course, they will realize. I want you game, to video everything they do. Yeah, I think they're going to realize pretty quick that this game is more than just a game. It's almost a lifestyle, right? If you want and, to be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, hey, guys, it's, it's been nice uh, talking to you guys again. This has been episode three. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as we talk, love talking about golf. If you liked it, give us a follow. Tell a friend and, uh, you know, get out there, have a good round, drain them bogeys. Beaver Tales?